This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Thursday, it's the 4th of January 2024, and today is World Braille Day. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? I am glorious, thank you, Stephen Scott. How are you, sir? Oh, you know me, happy as always. It is World Braille Day. Oh. It is a incredible day uh, to celebrate all that is dotty. Like you. Oh, that's clever. Oh, that's very clever. Well done, you. Can we uh, abbreviate World Braille Day? Can we call it WBD, or is that too youthful and um, cool for us? I think that's too cool for us, to be perfectly honest. And we don't Plus, do you know, cool over here. No, we don't. That's very true. And we'll get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, listen, we have a lot to get through uh, because we're not just here for one hour today. We're here for two hours. Yes, Mr. F thought this would be a smart idea to oh, allow us to go live. Yeah, to go live, Sean, for two whole hours here on AMI-audio. So we're coming to you live right now. If you're listening to us on AMI-audio, hello! Not to say that it's not live any other time of the year. I mean, we're not going to give anything away here about the secrets. Yeah, because it's always live. Well, Don't we're live. Yeah. We're alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is so strange going live. I'm going for two hours as well. Ah, it's going to be a joy. I'm really excited. Oh, Absolutely. So uh, just gone noon Eastern in Canada. So hello to everyone who's listening to us on AMI-audio. And of course, if you're on the podcast as well later, uh, hi to you as well. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, we have a very special panel of guests joining us for the course of the next couple of hours. Let me uh, welcome them all in. Uh, AMI-TV's own Kelly McDonald is uh, joining us of London, Ontario, the only London that matters. He's also the host of Kelly and Ramia. Good to have you with us, Kelly. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hello to everybody. Happy New Year. And they used to have these great commercials here in London, Ontario, comparing with London, England. And I remember one particular with where they came on and the announcer said, London, England has Big Ben. You heard the big clang. London, Ontario also has Big Ben. Hey, how's it going? And it was the greatest commercial out there. <laughs> Just a guy. A guy Just called a guy. Ben. Right. Okay. Yeah. Several little That things. works. Yeah. Okay, okay, fair enough. I can go with that. Um, also with us today, we have AMI-TV's own Grant Hardy. He's joining us from Vancouver in British Columbia. Hey to you, Grant. Hi. Happy New Year, everybody. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. You've been with AMI for about a decade. Is that right? Yeah. If you want to talk ca like casual uh, presenting, I've been with AMI for over a decade, since 2010. But wow. uh, full-time... <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what Why can you what not leave? Yeah, you just keeping you around. Yeah, you know what? It's it's hear the chains clanking. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> amazing when you do this much filming. Like all the just random filming 
all the just random images and audio that the company has of you. It's really quite amazing. I feel like I, I don't know, do I have anything incriminating? Hopefully not, but um, there's there's a lot well, of Well, you know, I always think about Barack Obama becoming president and, you know, right. how he went in there with beautiful black hair and then came out, it was all grey and falling out by the end of it. And I, I think that's probably my career as well, although it kind of started greying as I began and it's just got worse and less from there. So I think that's kind of, I'm, I feel you on this. Uh, listen, also joining us, we've got Kim Kilpatrick joining us all the way from Ottawa in Ontario. Hey to you, Kim. Hello. Thank you for having me. Happy World Braille Day to everybody. Happy Thank World you. Braille Day and Happy New Year to you as well. And uh, Kim, you're totally blind and you've been so since birth and you've been a Braille user since grade one, uh, oh, yes. which is incredible. Can't wait to get into all this. Also, uh, you're the vice president. I'm telling you as if you don't know, but you're the vice president <laughs> of Braille Literacy Canada. You're a professional storyteller and a disability arts consultant and community reporter on Kelly and Ramia. Is that all? Um, well, there's probably some other stuff. I do help <laughs> blind people learn tech too. And, you know, I do other oh, things. Wow. Amazing, amazing. And uh, well, great to have you along for the ride. Also, Elizabeth uh, Moeller is based in southern Ontario, uh, uh, rather obscure, um, however, uh, and has dedicated her career to advocating for students with disabilities. Uh, she's worked with NEEDS, which is the National Education Association of Disabled Students, and led community engagement at Balance for Blind Adults. If that's not enough, she also now coordinates inclusive hiring at Ryerson Magnet, and as a member of Ontario's Education Standards Committee, she influences policies for educational inclusivity. Have I covered everything? Um, almost. I, I'm also on the Now with Dave Brown show, and I, I'll just take the ambiguity out. I'm I'm actually based in Toronto, so you don't have to like wonder for the next yeah, two hours. I was kind of wondering. I was like, I was like a little bit ambiguous. <laughs> it's a tiny bit. And I was like, well, where is she? Why is she not telling us? Southern Ontario. That's a big area. I'm it's no geographical area. expert. <laughs> Yeah. Are you not? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not. Is that a surprise? But just to, to confuse you? things, uh, so, I live in Toronto and go to go to Western and London, Ontario. So I just just to make things oh, doubly okay. confusing. Okay. Thank you. I have to buy a map at this rate. Uh, listen, guys, thank you each and every one of you for coming on. Really looking forward to delving into the discussion today. We have lots to talk about, of course, and it's all about what Braille's future is, what the legacy of Louis Braille is. That's what I really want to dig into over the course of the next couple of hours. There's so many aspects to this, from education through employment and the technology that can support it all. But before we get into all that, what I'd like to talk to you about is uh, your personal stories relating to Braille. You know, how did you come to learn Braille? Was it early education? Was it later in life? Kelly, let me start with you. What's your journey to uh, learning Braille? What was it? Oh, uh, it came because when I went to the blind school in Brantford, started out in elementary school in what we would always say sighted school, in conventional school, mainstream, whatever way you're, you're more comfortable with it. So at some point, I think in grade five, they said to me and had conversation with my parents that he's slow reading. He's reading as much large print at the time as he can. And he struggles. He will read a page and a page and a bit, and his eyes start to get sore. He's rubbing his eyes. So my parents, of course, just wanting to look out for their child, wanting their child to keep, preserve whatever vision that they have as long as possible, in their minds believed, yeah, you take him off this, have him using his fingers to read, what happens to the exercising of the eyes? Now, most of us know, well, it doesn't make it a, a tinker's dam when you really think about the circumstance that most of us are in with genetic eye diseases or whatever. So I got pushed into learning Braille. They said, the school basically said, well, take a look at it this way. At this point, 
Braille will allow him to pass his classes, move forward, go to post-secondary, and utilize it in whatever way is possible with technology uh, in a work environment, whether he's using a Braille, Brailler or a Braille printer, because at that time we were starting to see the rise of the Apple IIEs and so on, and equipment that would soon be happening in our midst that we could use to do Braille or other devices such as the VersaBraille. Um, computer, the Eureka. So all these were the things that would later on help me get through college and get really as much learning as I could do and as much interaction with my sighted peers so that I could do something and print it off, whether it be worksheets, a project, whatever it might be, guys. Yeah, this is such an important aspect of, of life. And, you know, everything you mentioned there leads into yeah you know, doing the same things when it comes to employment and all of that, right? It just all well, feeds through. And it's hard for parents to understand, right? You're like, they're worried yeah, about your absolutely. child being able to get around, not fall off curbs, use their eyes and whatever. And the last thing they're thinking about is, what am I, what am I worried about some darn job he's going to do in 10 years? I'll be happy if he survives it, you know, and, and understands and feels happy <laughs> and don't put pressure on him. So, you know, make him learn something. They And again, it did affect. I mean, me learning it cost me years in, in, in grade. Like I struggled as a student. I didn't care. I hated school. So I, I'm still spending time here in the same grade. It's interesting to do the stuff over again. But once that stuff got better, once the Braille became that tool and I could do more, um, it certainly sped things up. It certainly gave me that opportunity and would be the basis of what would make me feel comfortable to switch from W. Ross and go back into mainstream eight years later. And what a difference from when I first was there in grade one and two. Mm. Kim, what about you? So I've, I've been totally blind since birth. And um, so I really wanted to read more than anything because I come from a family of readers and they would read to me, but not enough. And I was desperate to read. So I was excited to learn Braille, really excited. I, I remember getting my name first day of grade one and on a card in Braille and I was told that was my name and I was I was just very excited. My mother, this is kind of unusual. My mother learned Braille at the same time as me. So she was able to write me notes on the fridge and put notes in my lunch bag and, you know, label things in the house and labeled all the gifts under the tree, not just mine, so I could pass out gifts to people. And so Braille was just all over our house. So I was very excited by Braille. I couldn't wait to read and write Braille. I could read in the dark at night way after lights were supposed to be out and not get in trouble like my brother did. You know, I just, I loved, I loved Braille. I guess what I'd like to say about the Braille journey was um, all through school, I had all the Braille I wanted. I, like Kelly, I spent some time at school for the blind and then, then I was um, out of that. But then when I got out of university and was working, I worked uh, mostly for nonprofits and long-term care and palliative care, and they didn't have equipment for me, really, beyond um, I could get maybe JAWS or something. No Braille display, no no ability to get me technology that I needed to use Braille for my work. And it was many years that I kind of just did without Braille. And I was given a Braille display by someone who the government had was getting new ones or something. And he said to me, one of the workers, I'll bring this to you. You can have it. 
And I remember they plugged it into my computer. It was a big clunky one. I think it was like a navigator and it took up so much space. It was huge. And I cried for 20 minutes. Like I could read emails with Braille again and I just bawled. Like I just, and I sort of, I mean, it was sort of a gone with the wind moment, but I said, I'm never going to be without Braille again. Like I, I can't believe I did without Braille and I didn't fight more to have Braille for myself. You know, like I kind of accepted that, oh, maybe Braille's going away and you don't need it. Now you have screen readers. And yeah, so since then, I've just really always made sure that I had a Braille display and used Braille with my phone, subsequently my phone, with my computers. And I just, I don't want to ever be without Braille. And I don't want people to be without Braille if they feel it's important. Like I, I really feel kind of strongly about that. Yeah, it comes across. You sound really passionate about it. That's a, a really good story. And uh, I, I love the fact that your, you know, your your whole family got involved. Your mother learned it at the same time. That's uh, that's amazing. It's not just all on you in that case. It sort of widens it out. That's fantastic. Um, Grant, how about you? What's your Braille story? <clears throat> yeah, as I'm listening to Kim uh, talking there, uh, Kim, your experiences really echo mine because I was born with no vision, just light perception, um, which in a way I think maybe could be easier than being born with vision and then losing it later because I learned Braille, I want to say in like starting in preschool, but it may have been kindergarten, but I was in uh, mainstream school. Uh, my vision teacher started teaching me Braille really early. Uh, there was a lot of things that I did struggle with in school, but Braille was not one of them. Uh, I loved to read. I absolutely echo Kim's experience of, I, I don't even think I really understood that other kids couldn't read when, when the light was out at like summer camp or whatever. <laughs> um, I, it was just so cool to be able to do that really impressed kids I loved reading I was always kind of starved for reading because it was one of those days when you could not just necessarily read anything you wanted you had to read books that had been converted into braille and sometimes that may not have included uh, let's say an entire series of kids books maybe only a, a few books uh, out of the series were converted into braille very different now I think that reading is finally starting to be a little bit more accessible in terms of content. Um, my mom also learned Braille, and uh, both of my partners have known Braille. Uh, my first partner learned uh, Braille for me. My second partner is uh, a vision teacher in her job. Um, and yeah, like I said, my, my mom knew Braille, so, you know, food and uh, you know, supplies and other things like that around the home were labeled. Uh, we were a very Braille-centric household. In grade one, I got a Braille light, which was kind of a prim primitive note-taker. And I've pretty much had Braille displays ever since. And if if there is some sort of future, dystopian future, when Braille is going away, I just do not see it. Because for me, Braille has been such an incredible advantage. Uh, people do amazing things without Braille. But, and so I want to avoid being too aggressive about this, because some people do do brilliantly not knowing Braille. But for me, it's just such an incredible advantage. Everything from, you know, 
Braille Braille displays to Braille screen input on the iPhone to hard copy Braille. It's it's difficult to know what my life would be like without Braille. So just incredibly grateful to uh, everyone from Louis Braille to my mom to my to my partner to everyone in this day and age who is keeping Braille alive. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get into that, I'm sure, over the course of the two hours here about, you know, the the power of Braille and the future of Braille, definitely. Um, How about you, Elizabeth? Yeah. Um, So for me, I actually started off in uh, a mainstream school learning print, and uh, I have congenital glaucoma, so my vision was becoming increasingly poor. And in grade two, my parents moved me to a school in Toronto that had a, a classroom for, for folks with vision loss, but wasn't a school for the blind. I did later attend a school for the blind. And at that point, it was decided that print was practical. I was reading like a letter on a page. So it was decided that I would learn Braille. Um, and that actually meant being held back a year because the other students were already quite ahead when it came to reading. And I had to basically start over. At that time, seven-year-old me was not very enthusiastic about reading Braille, and I really, I struggled at first, to be honest, because I was, it was, it represented a bit of a loss because I was losing my vision, right, and and losing the ability to read print. So for a number of years, I struggled, and and my dad um, actually took a Braille course that was offered at the school uh, for parents specifically, so uh, I resonate with a number of the other folks here on the call, so that he could, he could assist me in reading as many parents do at home. Um, And our family would do something every night called Reading Club, where I would read a little bit of a book, and then my my dad usually would read uh, a little bit to kind of get me into reading. But I think we all have that one pivotal series that gets us into reading. And I remember for me, it was the Harry Potter series. So I remember um, my parents reading me part of the first book and then saying, well, if you want to know what happens, here's the Braille book. And I got it for Christmas. (laughs) And it was a really interesting moment because I, I thought, okay, this is, this is uh, something I really want to read. So I pushed my way through it. Um, and so fast forward, I, I sort of um, started to use Braille more and more. Certainly, you know, as Braille displays became more prevalent, I use those. I think, you know, we've touched on this idea that, that Braille is sort of, um, you know, sometimes is a misconception that's antiquated and I think bulky and that's because of how it used to be. Certainly, I remember lugging up to the cottage dozens of Braille volumes of books. But I think for me, there's two things that really resonate about Braille for me. One is when you're listening to an audiobook, and I do lots of that as well, you're getting the story interpreted through the voice of the reader. When you're reading a Braille book or you're reading a Braille anything, you're interpreting it through your own emotions and your own voice. And it's a much, it's an intimate experience you don't have with, with audio. Um, love both, they're great. But for me, that's something about Braille that really sticks out. I would say the other thing, and, and I think Kim touched on it, is there are certain things that a screen reader is great for and things that are more challenging. So certainly with me as an academic, being able to look up the spelling of uh, a theorist or being able to look up uh, exactly how something is formatted is a lot easier with with Braille at the doctoral level. You're, you know, the writing is quite sophisticated. So having that is a big advantage. So I through the years, I became much more confident about Braille. Um, I use a Braille display in my, my professional life, but also I, I'm a singer. I sing in two choirs. There's no way I could do the lyrics using audio. So having Braille is really helpful. I think for me, you know, what I what I would say just to sort of sum up as a, as a takeaway is Braille is a tool in your toolkit. It, it's one of the great tools that we have out there, and I'm glad it's in my specific toolkit. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Elizabeth Kelly, uh, Grant, and also Kim, stick around because we are going to be talking lots more about all of this, in particular discussing the role technology has to play in the future of Braille as well. And the creator of an extremely popular Braille input keyboard will be joining us a bit later today on the program. Freak Van Welsness is the co-founder of Hable One, and he'll be talking to us in the second hour of our special episode today, celebrating World Braille Day. And so too, a celebration happening right now across Canada, thanks to the folks over at uh, CNIB. They're hosting a virtual sing-along to get their Ontario Regional Braille Challenge competitors ready to start the 2024 season with a song. They are all joining together on Zoom to sing along, uh, but we've managed to sneak one of the organisers out for a moment to tell us a bit more about all of this. Uh, Karen Brophy is the programme lead for literacy and is here with us now. Karen, a happy World Braille Day to you and welcome to Double Tap. Happy World Braille Day, Stephen. Happy World Braille Day, everyone. Yeah, happy World Braille Day to you too. So what is the CNIB virtual sing-along all about then? So we were looking for uh, an opportunity to gather everyone together. Uh, World Braille Day comes at a slightly awkward time of year. Everyone's just back from the holidays. So we've never really done anything in person or, you know, on any kind of a large scale. And it occurred to me that we could gather everyone together virtually. Um, we are using this also as an opportunity to kick off the Braille Challenge season, uh, which listeners may be familiar with. Braille Challenge is an event that's run in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., uh, sort of international that way. And students are just getting ready to uh, compete, do their tests in the spring. So we wanted to bring them together and, and get them excited about uh, what they were getting started on. And this seemed like the perfect way to do it, to kick off World Braille Day, Braille Literacy Month, and Braille Challenge season. Yeah, because it's a celebration, isn't it? It's a celebration of what is great about Braille. And I just, you know, I'm asking the panellists today, Karen, just wondering, you know, what your take on the legacy of Braille and, and what the future of it will look like in, say, five years' time. You know, many have said over the years that Braille is dying. I don't feel that way. I'm pretty sure you would feel the same. So I've been hearing this. I've been with CNIB for about 30 years. And this has been a recurring theme. Every couple of years, the media will get a hold of information, stats about Braille, and will resurrect this idea that Braille is on the way out. Um, I obviously don't feel that way. And, you know, through the programs that we do promoting uh, recreational Braille literacy at CNIB, I, I do what I can to keep kids excited about it. It's such an important uh, as such an important way for them to get into reading and and have some independence and not de you know not always depend on technology. Technology is very important, um, but the ability to read something directly rather than, for example, listening to it through audio is very important and very empowering. And that's kind of what I what I focus on. Well, it's interesting because in planning for this, I was kind of in my head thinking that I, in, in some ways, technology feels like it's saving Braille. But what you're saying is, well, yeah, that might be the case. But also we have to remember that Braille is something that stands alone as well. And there's value in that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of old school, I guess. But yes, you're, you're absolutely right with all the refreshable Braille displays and all of the Braille notes and, and all of the technology. 
I think that is helping people become more familiar with, uh, you know, keeping it more relevant and, and more in front of people. Um, but at, at its core, you know, Braille is hands-on, hands-on dots. And, and, you know, that's very, it's very physical. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think the technology is important, but also we can't let it, you know, we hear a lot that people will say that, you know, with technology, you don't need Braille because Braille mm. technology offers so many other opportunities for reading, you know, listening to audiobooks. Um, you know, it, it, we just have to be careful that we don't view it too much in the direction of, well, we have technology now, so Braille is not as important. Karen, you've got a busy day ahead, of course, and you're in the middle of this virtual sing-along, so I'm going to let you get back to the song. We're going to play the song in here in just a moment so we can uh, we, we can feel like we're taking part in this as well, Karen, so we're looking forward to that. Uh, but uh, I just want to say thank you to you for what you guys do uh, promoting Braille and, and tell people uh, across Canada and around the world how they can find out more about you guys. Yeah, so um, we, have, we have lots of programs running at CNIB for, specifically for youth. Uh, we have the uh, Braille Art Competition, which is kicking off today, which is also an international uh, program that we do with Vista in the UK. Um, we have the Braille Challenge, of course, Braille Quest, Braille Creative Writing Contest. We have a writing retreat for youth called Writing with Feeling that we run at our Lake Joe facility. And all of the information about all of these is available on cnid.ca website. Or people can connect with me directly if they have any trouble finding information and they want more, they can reach me. And my email is karen.brophy, and that's B-R-O-P-H-E-Y, at cnid.ca. I'm also on Instagram, and uh, I'm trying out Threads, which is uh, sort of a Twitter replacement. Mm. Um, I'm on both those platforms as at Braille Matters. Brilliant. Uh, Karen, have a wonderful uh, World Braille Day. Thank you. You also. So everyone is together now, and uh, what they've been asked to sing is an adaptation of the hit called Call Me Maybe. I know you're a fan, Sean. Um, of course. You going to give us some lyrics? Oh, it's a sing-along. Uh, I'll wait until it's playing. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the hit is Call Me Maybe. Uh, don't ask me who's sung by, but there we go. Uh, it's been recreated uh, as Braille Challenge Maybe. Shall we uh, listen to this? This is what everyone is singing along with right now at CNIB across Canada. My heart is beating so fast, already having a blast. Each year is better than last, and I am in the zone. It's almost time to begin. I roll my first paper in, and I am starting to grin, cause we are on our way. They say it's time, and bells ring, fingers fly, and brailers shake the tables. We just caused a braille earthquake. Hey, I just got here, and this is crazy. We all love braille. Some tricky words, and then we'll proofread, and we're enjoying this challenge, maybe. Hey, what is your name? You're from what city? The fun we're having is just beginning. We're on the same page. We've been there, done that. There's understanding right off the bat. 
the speed and accuracy and passages we must read and graphs about everything gosh we'll be here all day and by the time that we're done our hands are pretty much numb but we're so glad that we've come because there's so much to say we've aced the testing there's no time for resting soon we'll all be texting till we're back again next summer hey i just met you and this is crazy we both love rail so we're friends already let's talk technology let's share our stories while we're all here for this challenge maybe no we're not here to win a contest we're here because we have tried our hardest and all the sighted kids well they can't read this but we know I do love the line that is all about uh, you're sleeping at night or reading at night. I think mean, that's just fantastic. I think that picks up on something you said there, Grant, earlier about the love of Braille, right? It's reading at night in bed when everyone else is sleeping, the kids obviously can't read. It was the best because my brother would get in trouble. My mom would come and say, you turn off, you stop reading. He'd say, Kim's reading too. And she'd say, no, she isn't. He'd be so mad because he could hear me <laughs> yeah. turning the pages. And stuff. Kim's that. fast asleep. What are you talking about? We can't yeah. see the right. book that's like under the covers. Yeah. You know? right don't, the- don't bother your sister while she's asleep. <laughs> I love the part about passing notes. Like how many of yeah. us have maybe done that? I'm not going to confess to doing or not doing, but a note <laughs> may or may not have been passed about a teacher or uh, a, perhaps mm-hmm. a resident staff that didn't read Braille. It, it might have happened. I, I, I resonated with that line. I was singing along. It might have also reading in class like under the desk like other things oh, yeah. even your watch or whatever right just no, checking time books. when no one else could and what you know anyone else or said i still do that hurry? in meetings what are you talking about exactly well the point is that's it <laughs> until someone turns and says oh, what are you in a hurry <laughs> I just want to say uh, full credit for that song goes to the Braille Institute of America. They actually use that song at their Braille Challenge finals. But uh, Karen wanted to use it as part of the CNIB event today uh, because she thought it was time for the whole world to hear it. Now, the lyrics, the vocals and arrangements were actually written by a Braille Challenge uh, alumni, uh, Caitlin Hernandez. Uh, Brilliant work. Got to say, absolutely brilliant song. Really great. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, You're listening to Double Tap, and today, of course, we're celebrating World Braille Day. And while today is all about celebrating the tactile writing system that is Braille, it's also a day to celebrate the life of its creator. And uh, that is, of course, Louis Braille. But who was Louis Braille, and what led him to create the code over 200 years ago? Professor Kay Holbrook is from the University of British Columbia and shares her research on the man, his creation, and his legacy. My name is Kay Holbrook, and I'm a professor at the University of British Columbia. I'm a fan of the man because of what he did. But in terms of Braille, the system that we use for reading and writing for people who are blind or visually impaired, I believe that this is the key to accessibility, the key to knowledge, the key to employment. So my connection to Louis Braille is related to how insightful and clever and 
knowledgeable he was as a person in a very different age. Louis Braille was born in what was at the time a very rural village. Now it would be considered a suburb of, of Paris. And he went blind when he was um, very young, two or three years old, as a result of an accident in his father's saddlery shop. And through a variety of events, he got a scholarship to the Paris School for the Blind, where they were doing some innovative work in, ed in the education of young children who were blind or visually impaired. He was really a pioneer in the development of the Braille system that we use almost the same system that he developed when he was very young. Uh, and he developed it because he needed it and his classmates needed it. I can't believe that as a young child in a time where this kind of thing was not accepted, really, he was able to go past that and to develop something that was that's really been lasting for over 200 years. He must have had quite a bit of encouragement and support from people around him. There's a museum that you can go to in the small village where he was born, and you can see some of the things that his father developed, like he developed a, um, it was a plank of wood, and he put nails in the wood that shaped the letters of the alphabet, the print letters of the alphabet. And so for a father at that time to say, yes, let's try and find a way that you can read. I also can imagine, of course, I don't know this because I didn't live in that time, uh, but I can imagine that he, his siblings were reading and writing and talking about what they were reading and writing and encouraging him to, to do that in a different way. I think he must have been quite creative and that, that's what I actually think that even today, people who are, who are innovating new technologies, new ways of doing things, new strategies, are also that kind of creative. They, they imagine something that doesn't exist, and they work to try and make that exist. Louis Braille's legacy is so far never-ending. <laughs> it has stood the test of time. The last couple of decades, we went through a major revisioning of the code that we use for Braille, but it maintains the exact same structure that Louis Braille came up with when he was a child. And so I can't imagine, it's, it's kind of like, for sighted people, it's kind of like print, we can't even really imagine a time when print didn't exist. And I think we're getting to that point in Braille as well. We have fought battles and we will continue to fight battles of people who think that Braille is obsolete and that we don't need Braille because we can just listen to everything. But that's a very limited view of literacy. And so we have to be careful 
to maintain that legacy of Louis Braille and to make sure that it continues on for generations to come. And I believe it will. Professor Kay Holbrook there from the University of British Columbia talking about the legacy and life of Louis Braille. Uh, Sean, I want to bring you in on this because I haven't heard you yet talk about your view on Braille from a value perspective, right? What's the value of Braille for you in 2024, as it now is? What? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, we still got to get used to that. I was kind of asking myself the same question when we were talking about this show. Um, and, you know, when you look at the, the, the panel we've got together here, there's there's so many people that live and breathe Braille. But actually, I'm coming at the other end of that scale. I do, of course, recognize the value of Braille. And I'm thinking about it right now, actually. I'm looking through some notes here on my computer as I'm listening um, to that there. And, and you know, I, it's hard work. You need to juggle. I'm listening to my screen reader, and you can't fully focus on both at once. And it's there where you think, you know, if I just had a, a Braille notes here, it would be so much easier. And I'm coming at it from the point that, I've always wanted to learn Braille, and I just, for whatever reason it is, laziness probably, I don't know, I just haven't <laughs> got there yet. And I always think it's too late. I'm too old now. I, I don't know if I could do it. But the more I talk to people and the more I look into it and the more uh, when I'm doing work like this, I realize actually any help at all would be beneficial. And it can't just be always about, you know, talking tech or screen readers. There is that that use case for Braille, and it's always been there. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know what it is so far that I just haven't got there. I, I started off, obviously, I've got RP, retinitis pigmentosa. So I was using, well, I was able to read standard print at school, uh, magnification after that. And the magnification got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. To, as we said before, you know, a letter mm. on a screen or a letter on a page. And then I just moved on to screen readers. But um, yeah, I, Braille is something I know. And this is something I think a phrase that's going to come up a lot is that another tool in your toolkit. I mean, it's just yeah. it's something we should have. And I just wish I was into it as, as a, in education. I think back to what Karen Brophy said earlier about the the subject, which I thought was really interesting. Actually, you know, although technology is very important, in and you know, my thought would be that that essentially technology could save Braille, and I think that's possibly true. Karen mm -hmm. urges a little bit of caution on that, and Kelly, I wonder what your take is on that because you know, I know you're in a, a sort of interesting position at the moment because you're considering moving to Braille for doing your your TV work. Of course, you know, like Grant was saying, you know, using it on that format using it in that way is really beneficial and you know technology is great it allows you in a sense to do that because you can hook it up to your computer you can read your notes in braille rather than having to listen to them but you know is there a point that comes where we have to almost remember and and equally promote essentially paper braille you know traditional use of braille i i, I know for myself and I think about, as Karen was speaking, how many people we think about technology and how, as she said, it goes away, the topic of Braille dying comes back up. And I wonder how much, if one looked at it, that has to do with technology because of the different ways people who are 
very computer savvy, have decided to use screen readers and stuff. The late Tom Decker and I have had these conversations about it because he was such a, 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 a opponent for, for Braille, but technology and how to use stuff and how to let it complement that toolbox you're referring to uh, that, that Elizabeth said that you guys mentioned again. And I find when I started doing TV work, um, before that I was doing production work in AMI audio and recording people, everything was Braille. Our schedule, uh, what I what notes I had, I did everything from Braille. We loved having the Brailler. We moved locations. The Brailler got lost and we were lost. We were like, well, hold on though. Kind of need that, kind of need. So they decided to get a Braille printer for us to be able to do some of the work. When I started doing television, I went out, of course, ready to do my intros and extras. Hi, this is Kelly. And realized the wind, the shot, the reading on my tummy, it became a problem. So I did a lot more memorization, which was tough, or listening with an earbud as, as I do. But you still have something there. Now, as I sit and do a talk show and my hands are below the camera line, I think of things such as what we were speaking of earlier. Gee, I'd love to know how this is actually said. There's always words that I can hear in my head or hear in my ear. And I just, for some reason, either can't say them back out, don't hear them right, whatever it might be. But if I was following along with a Braille display, those are the some of the uses I think for me that I could utilize doing it. Should I? How much would I really use it? Well, I'm in a position where you know what, I could always get one because they're more affordable, a display of some kind these days, not like the old days where you had to sit there and decide, am I going to use my money to get this? Do do we have enough people? Can I get funding from a Lions Club to help me support buying this Braille device to complement my computer equipment? Now there's a lot more equipment available. And I've tried all sorts over the years um, to do different things from, like I said, the VersaBraille to the Braille Link to Eureka, uh, which was more audio. But uh, it, there were so many different things to try over the years, and so many people have so many things since then. But it is a definite thought. And then you get the technology. Somebody was in that place at Apple that said, well, there are a lot of people who would find it easier to use the iPhone in a Braille format. Now, maybe not many of us, maybe a lot of us don't even know we could do that. Maybe it is basically to input it. You don't necessarily feel physical dots, but because you're used to brailing and that's what you're comfortable with instead of typing, maybe you don't know how to type, but you do know how to use braille. I've got to, I've got to ask this to, to the longtime braille users amongst you here. So Kim, I'm going to come to you first on this uh, because, you know, as much as we love our tech, and I do, and I love the idea of having a Braille display for my notes and all that stuff. You know, I do also have my Perkins Braille sitting next to me, and I do often go to that first for notes. So I'm, I'm really bringing out some old tech here. Uh, am I doing the right thing? Should I be just spending more time on the Braille display, or, or is that a healthy mix of both for you? I like a healthy mix too, Stephen, and I guess I sort of equate it to, because um, at the moment, the multi-line Braille displays are not at the point where most people would have them now there's so many in development now and that's that's changing but one line of braille on a braille display you can't sort of skim ahead easily as easily as hard copy braille um i know there are pros and cons like I, like elizabeth i too lugged many 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 books i don't know how my back is still <laughs> intact for doing that but i think for skimming notes and for kind of jumping to a certain place, you could indent something, you know, so that you can find it more easily than with a Braille display. You can do a search on a Braille display. But I really feel that 
there's a place for the hard copy Braille. There's a nice feel to turning actual Braille pages. I keep my sort of address book in Braille still, you know, where you can sort of skim through and find. Mm. I like a Braille calendar. I mean, I love my computer calendar, but I like to be able to look up a date quickly on a on a little Braille calendar to say, like, what day of the week is that? Or, you know, what's this? <laughs> I, lo- I love that we're talking about it in this way. I just, <laughs> I just love that we're talking about the traditional sense. What about you, Elizabeth? Are you in that mindset yeah. as well? I think there's a real practicality to paper. Um, so I do all my Christmas cards using my slate and stylus. I, I can't do a Christmas card on a Braille display in the same way. Um, my passwords are all written down in Braille uh, on a Braille piece of paper. Um, you know, even things like labeling, right? So I think that Braille can have a lot of different meanings for people. And I think, you know, somebody I was saying earlier, am I too old to learn Braille? And even if it's just learning like how to label your cans, that's a, that's going to be a huge, uh, a really huge help. I think for sure there's this sort of like conversation around like technology and braille and where they intersect and i think that they're both um tools that that complement each other and coil around each other but they're also two different mediums so i try in my own mind not to compare is one better they're just different so i had to take uh many stats classes in my in my uh, undergrad and and masters and that was really helpful to have a, a braille book with all the z scores and to be able to braille out the equations even if it was just to get it sort of set up in my own mind but there's other things where technology was really useful so I, I think it's an interesting conversation around like where do the tools, Braille, technology, audio complement? And then how are they just different mediums that are that are great in their own way? Um, I think it's it's always an interesting thing, too, to think about with the iPhone. Um, you know, the, the voiceover is great and Siri is great, but there's times where perhaps I'm, I'm doing something that I don't necessarily want uh, others to see or hear. Braille's really and nice for that. And bugs as well, right? right? Yeah, bugs yeah, and, bugs. And issues like, that come absolutely. Along and- and, and even just again, like we talked about earlier, checking the name of uh, or the spelling of a name. So I think I think there's a real, you know, it, Kelly and Kim both touched on it, a real need to kind of think about um, the practicality of Braille the, and, and just, you know, how can how can we use it in our everyday lives? It doesn't necessarily have to be a big thing for everybody. Maybe not everyone's going to read a book. That's OK. But there might be things that it really is game changing for. Listen, we're just getting started today. It is World Braille Day, and uh, we have two hours here to go through uh, so many different topics and aspects of Braille, which I'm really excited to do. Uh, And uh, we're going to come back to our panel shortly. Kelly, uh, Elizabeth Grant, and also Kim joining us today, along with me and Sean, of course. Uh, But uh, learning Braille later in life can be the biggest of challenges for a lot of us. Uh, But could our smartphones help? Well, Sean now explains that, yes, there even is an app out there that. Now, regular listeners may be aware that there is a bit of a running joke on Double Tap that, oh, Sean stays in his shed all the time, never leaves it. And yeah, there is a little bit of truth to that. You know, it's a nice garden shed. I've had it all kitted out. It is my studio. I do a lot of work here. (laughs) You do work? Shut up, Stephen. But lately, I've come to realise something. (sighs) It's difficult to admit it, but... There does come a time when you need to say, No, Sean, stop talking about it and just get out and do it. There comes a time when you need to step out of your comfort zone and break out of that metaphorical or even physical shed of your own making. A time to shout, Yes, yes, I am Sean. I have things to offer you, world, and you will hear me. If I'm serious about learning Braille, I need to get out there, grab it with both hands, and fulfill my potential. So, 
Brace yourself, world, because here I come. Here we go. Ooh. Yeah. Then again, there must be an app out there to help me learn Braille. Let's take a look. I don't want to get my hair wet. Did you say I've got a lot to learn? Well, don't think I'm trying not to learn. Since this is the perfect spot to learn. Teach me tonight. Okay, so Braille is a skill that we all know we should have in our little blindy bag of tricks. Be it for improved literacy or independence or just another way to access information. Braille is incredibly useful. Yet, because of the amount of talking tech we have available to us right now, it seems that very few of us take the time to actually learn Braille as we can get by without it. At least until there's a power cut or a battery runs out. Now, I've been saying for years that I want to learn Braille, but of course, I've done nothing about it. There's a few reasons for this. Firstly, yes, I am incredibly lazy, but... Putting that to one side, when I first started to look into resources that were available when it came to learning Braille, my local government department told me that there was no demand for it and they had nothing available. Okay, no problem, I'll just buy the stuff I need myself. Which leads to the second problem, cost. A Perkins Brailler. That thing is massive, looks like it comes straight out of the Stone Age, yet costs an absolute fortune. And as for Braille displays... Forget about it. There is absolutely no way I could afford one, and even the new generation of affordable Braille displays such as the Orbit Reader or the Braille Me, I still find it difficult to justify that outlay. So that got me to thinking, is there any way that I can learn Braille using an app or an online service? Now wait, wait, I know what you're thinking. Don't be ridiculous, Sean. Of course you can. You need the physical materials. You need the Braille books. You need the Braille paper. You need to be able to feel, get the tactile sensation of reading Braille. And yes, you're absolutely right. Of course you do. But even if I was just to learn how to type using Braille, that would be a great start. Now, when it comes to entering text on my smartphone, I know my way around the on-screen QWERTY keyboard. But there's absolutely no comparison against someone who's using Braille input to enter text on a touchscreen device. It's so much faster. And if I can learn how to do that and I can do it well, then maybe I will be able to justify the cost of a Perkins Braille or even a Braille display. Anyway, that's my logic. So that's what I'm aiming to do, to be able to type on my iPhone using Braille input. So let's get cracking. Is there any apps on the App Store that can help? Let's find out. Hokey dokey. So I've gone to the app store and I've searched for learn Braille. Now, I also went to Twitter and asked for people's opinions and recommendations. And from this and the search results in the app store, I've downloaded a few. So let's take a look at the first one. It was mentioned a lot. It's called Pocket Braille. Now, before I go any further, let me just say that actually this isn't a learning app, at least not what I'm looking for. Despite people constantly recommending it to me, I would say this is more of a lookup or a reference tool for Braille. 
There's no step-by-step guides or lessons. It's just a series of lists. A. Dot one. B. Dots one and two. C. Dots one and four. D. Dots one, four and five. There you go. Now, that's not to say it's bad. Far from it. It could be incredibly useful. And I'm sure it's something I'll be coming back to. It covers the alphabet, punctuation, numbers, and even contractions. No, no, not them. The other kind. Contractions. Tab. Four of four. F. From dots one, two and four. H. Have. Dots one, two and five. And that, in a nutshell, is Pocket Braille. It only costs a couple of dollars and I'm going to keep it as, as I said, I think it could be useful for looking things up. That is its whole purpose. But it's not really what I'm looking for. There's also a free version called Pocket Braille Lite, which just lists the alphabet, just the letters. But maybe that'll be enough for someone to get started for free. Anyway, let's move on to the next one, which is called Braille Academy. Sounds promising. Now, this app is free to download, although if you want to practice anything more than just the alphabet in Braille, you will need to do an in-app purchase to get things like punctuation, numbers, contractions, and so on. Now, Braille Academy splits up teaching you Braille into various levels or chapters. So, for example, level one will teach you the letters A, B, and C. Level two will teach you K, L, and M, and so on. And the way in which it teaches you is by giving you the dot number, so let's say dot number one, and asking you what letter that is. In that case, it would be A, or dots one and two, and you would have to type B. It's like a little pop quiz. So let's just jump straight into level one, the letters A, B, C, and see how this works. I'm going to double tap on the start button. Level one, heading. Okay, so we're starting on level one, and I'm just going to swipe through and see what's here. One. That's the dot number. Let's swipe on again. A. And there's the answer. Dot one is letter A. The first time you go through this, it will give you the answer so you can get used to it. And the next time around, you'll have to do it yourself. Let's swipe on. Tips button. There's a tips button. If you get stuck, let's swipe on. Answer dimmed button. And if you don't have a clue and you're totally stuck, you can double tap on this answer button to get the answer. And if we swipe on again, we get to the keyboard. And sadly, that's where we hit the first little problem, because it's not the standard on-screen keyboard that you're used to on your smartphone. Rather, they've made their own. Now, it's still a QWERTY keyboard. It's just that it doesn't seem to work very well with voiceover. It's really difficult just to touch and explore to find the letters you want. Don't get me wrong, it's fine if you want to swipe through, you know, Q-W-E-R-T-Y all the way through until you get to the letter you want, but that could be a little bit laborious. Anyway, let's soldier through. Even though I know the answer is A, I'm still going to type it. So let's find A on this keyboard and double tap. A. And, oh, that's a bit of an anticlimax. I have no idea if that was right or wrong. There seems to be no feedback on here. But if I do a two-finger swipe up to read the entire screen, we will see that it's moved on to a new question. One, two, B. Hmm, okay, so dots one, two is the letter B, as it's telling us there. As I said, once you go through once, next time we do it, it will say something like dots one, two, and just a question mark, and you will be expected to give the correct answer. 
So that's the basics of Braille Academy. Now, once you go through and practice enough and you feel confident, you can take a challenge on the level. And basically, it's a final quiz. And if you get enough answers right, I think you can get no more than three wrong answers. You will get a little certificate to say you've passed. Well, at least a virtual certificate, which is quite nice. But let's talk about the elephant in the room here. Accessibility. I found this on so many of the Braille teaching apps that I found on the App Store. The accessibility either isn't great or simply isn't there at all. They seem to be aimed at teaching sighted people Braille primarily. Now, of course, there's a place for that, absolutely. But surely accessibility should be in these apps for us, at least, to learn Braille. Let's move on. So, as Bono says... not give up the final app i'm going to take a look at is called bump bump braille learn nice let's open it up welcome to bump bump braille you are in the right place to learn braille oh, i hope so let's swipe through and see what's here learn braille button braille alphabet sheet button take quiz button well we're off to a good start all accessible let's take the learn braille button select a lesson of your choice if you don't know braille start off with grade one lesson Grade 1 Braille Lesson, button. Basic Mathematics Braille Lesson, button. OK, still looking good. Let's choose the Grade 1 Braille option. A Braille cell contains two columns and three rows in each columns. A total of six cells. Feels like three vertical dots next to three more vertical dots. Image, polka dots. <laughs> so, as you heard, there's a image at the top of the screen. That's the first thing I hit. But it does have excellent description. Let's swipe on. Welcome to your lesson. This is the basics of Braille, also called Grade 1 Braille. Shown above is what is called a full Braille cell, which consists of dots 1 through 6. Braille consists of 6 dots which combined with particular dots create the Braille language. Previous, button, next, button. Very good, I'm liking it, and it does carry on in the same way. It's excellent, very descriptive and easy to follow. Once you complete this, you will be taken to the quiz, which you also heard on the main menu. And thankfully, this too is totally accessible. Hurrah! Which choice represents letter P? Dots 1, 3, 5, and 6. Button. No. Dots 1, 2, and 3. Button. Nope. Dots 1, and 2. Button. Uh, nope. Dots 1, 2, 3, and 4. Button. Bingo. Dot 1. And I think, ladies and gentlemen, we have a winner. This is really good. And it's free. Now... It's not perfect. It does feel like it needs a little bit more polish. And the Grade 1 lesson is over far too soon. According to the description in the App Store, you can buy extra lessons, but I can't find how to do that anywhere. But maybe I'm missing something or it will come with the next update because this is really good. In fact, it's the best one out of the multitude of apps I did download. I didn't show them all here, as most of them were inaccessible. Crazy. But for me, so far, this is the best one. Bump, bump, braille, learn. But I've got to say, I am slightly disappointed. The state of the braille apps in the Apple App Store, at least, it's not great. I expected so much more. Now, perhaps I've missed something, and you know that there's a fantastic app out there to help you learn Braille. If you do, of course, get in contact with us, feedback at ami.ca. 
and let me know. But I think what I'm taking away from this whole experiment is that, you know what? There is no shortcut. The best way to learn is by contacting your local blind organisation wherever you are in the world. Be that the CNIB, the RNIB or something like the Hadley Institute. Whether you actually go to classes or get resources sent to you, at the end of the day, you're going to learn far faster and far easier than trying to do it on your own. So come on, people, get out there, make that call, send that email and get out of your sheds. Unless it's raining, of course. Teach me. Thank you so much, Sean Priest there, of course, uh, with our uh, review of Braille teaching apps. They do exist. I've got to say, I think for me it's going to be Pocket Braille is the one I'm interested in. Uh, Stick around, lots more to come as we continue our two-hour live special of Double Tap celebrating World Braille Day. Coming up in the next hour, we'll be talking about technology itself and how it can possibly save Braille. We'll be joined by Freak Van Welsenis, who is the co-founder of Hable One, a Braille input keyboard for smartphones. And of course, lots more from our panel joining us today. As I say, we celebrate World Braille Day on AMI-audio live. Jenny Bovart's AMI video podcast, Low Vision Moments, presents some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. My colleague Jen Fancy and I take our role as mentors for children and youth who are blind or visually impaired quite seriously. We also take having fun pretty seriously as well. So we got together off the clock to share our most amusing work and non-work related stories to date. We both admit to confusing the world around us with what we can and cannot see like really gen fancy you can see a butterfly from across the street i knew you were faking it how she once became human origami you'll notice in this episode a killer new theme song and not one mention of the holiday season and for that you are welcome download low vision moments from your favorite ami podcast distributor or catch it on youtube and don't forget to rate and subscribe You're tuned to AMI-audio, made for listening. This is Double Tap from AMI-audio. Email us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call us, 877-803-4567. And find us on social media, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air. And now on Mastodon at Double Tap. And we are celebrating World Braille Day today on Double Tap. Great to have your company with us. And of course, keep that feedback coming. Lots of you have been getting in touch with your thoughts. We're going to get to those comments in just a moment. Uh, but let me welcome back in our panel, uh, Kelly McDonald from London, Ontario, host of Kelly and Ramia on AMI-TV. Grant Hardy is also with us from AMI-TV in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia. Uh, also, uh, we are joined by Kim Kilpatrick from Ottawa. Now, uh, Kim has been blind since birth and is a lifelong long braille user 
And Elizabeth Moller joins us from Toronto in southern Ontario, an advocate for students with disabilities. And that is me uh, putting it very, very mildly, guys. <laughs> You've got so much more uh, to share, uh, without a doubt. Welcome back into uh, our discussion today on World Braille Day. Now, Grant, I want to come to you and ask you that question that uh, really has been on my mind since uh, preparing this show, which is, can technology save Braille? What do you think? Well, I think as Karen Brophy said uh, earlier, I, I'm not really sure that Braille needs to be saved necessarily. Like everyone has been talking on and on about Braille uh, going away, and I just don't know that I really see that happening technology or not. So that's number one. Uh, in terms of uh, sort of te technology versus physical, though, I'm... I am pretty practical, and I would say that technology uh, provides an, an incredible way to utilize Braille that is much more difficult to do in the physical medium. Uh, stuff like, for example, if you are Brailling on paper and you need to make a change or you need to correct something, there's really nothing you can do except uh, create an entirely new page or try and mark that braille that part of the page that's a mistake so that you don't come back to it so there's some incredible mm. limitations like that so i think technology really is a fantastic way of leveraging braille like bringing braille into the 21st century uh providing a really intuitive way to use to efficiently edit to uh to to just leverage braille in in a really cool way so i don't necessarily think braille needs to be saved uh but i do think technology is just making good old braille leap forward and forward and become more efficient and fun and easy to learn and use well let me be very specific on this question though because what i'm asking you is can technology save braille I'm not asking necessarily, does it need to be saved? I think those are two very different questions. And the reason I ask specifically around technology saving Braille is because I want to put it to you that if a world existed where smartphones didn't have any Braille access, if we didn't have Braille displays that could connect to computers, if we were just living with a Perkins Brailler and hope, would we, would we still have Braille today? Well, yeah. I mean, it's hard to... to say um i i guess i just see braille and technology as being a, a a very natural next step for braille i think there are some huge barriers like cost uh that need to be resolved asap so that other people can can get into into braille uh but yeah i guess i just see it as as being a very logical leap forward like you're right that if for some reason technology hadn't been invented related to Braille, then it could have just gotten left behind because of the convenience that other technology provided. Although, you know, I'm not really I'm not entirely sure. I feel like people would still use Braille paper uh, if there was no alternative for a number of reasons. You know, I think Elizabeth uh, made a really excellent point uh, that things like choirs you know uh, things where you you really need to be able to read braille while doing other things uh that's something that cannot in my view 
really be replaced as efficiently with technology. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I think, yes, Braille could could fade into the background a little bit if there was no te- technological equivalent, but I guess I just see it as a very logical next step. And I don't think it could be replaced totally. I think people would still struggle with their bulky Perkins Brailler and, and struggle with paper, especially in school, but also these other things like choir, STEM, uh, these things where I just think it would be very difficult to function without being able to feel what you're reading. I don't know if that makes sense. Of course it does. And let me just say, I, I apologize for that question, Grant. Uh, Stephen was very harsh with you there, throwing you with a difficult How question. Dare and hold you? I'm pinning you down on it as well. <laughs> so, so rude. Um, I think it's a really interesting question because I, I want to go back to something you said, Kelly, as well, which I think is, is really relevant. And that, you know, people always say, oh, well, not always say, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's almost like, oh, well, we don't need Braille anymore. Now we've got a smartphone with a screen reader, you know, like when the the iPhone came along with the, the 3G or the 4S or whatever it may be. You know, there's, there's that feeling of, oh, technology's here to save us. And I honestly... I've also heard the the counter argument to that that technology is actually killing off Braille. I I don't agree with either of those. I I personally believe that uh, the question we should be asking is how can technology utilize Braille? You know, how how can Braille be part of technology as it should be? And uh, mm. your answer there, Grant, was absolutely yeah. perfect about yeah. you know there's a place for physical paper Braille and and technology. Of course, there is. Braille is here to stay. I absolutely mm. agree. But um, how do you feel about technology and, and Braille? Uh, I'll throw this to you, Kim. I think there's a huge role for technology and Braille and Braille technology. They kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I I was sort of thinking when when Stephen asked Grant Grant that question when I was glad he wasn't asking me that question that way. <laughs> um, I was I was thinking about how Louis Braille was driven to invent Braille, and I was thinking it's kind of similar with technologies as they've evolved. Because if we think back to the early screen readers, there were from the earliest Braille displays, like the Versa Brailles and those other ones. They were already connecting them with the screen readers of the time. The Apple IIe, that was very advanced at the time to be able to connect things and have Braille and speech. And I think Braille came to the iPhone, like the ability to connect a Braille display with the iPhone, maybe version like five of the software or something like that, like very yeah. early yeah. on. Same with NVDA. So. I don't think that that was, would ever be in people's minds. If people were using Braille and passionate about Braille, they would find a way to uh, encourage people developing technologies to develop it. And I do think that um, technology has made Braille sort of even more relevant in many more facets. So many different aspects of my life. I use my iPhone every day. It's always paired with Braille. So I'm always reading the names of apps, the things, you know, what's going on, people's emails, uh, the names of people, how they're spelled, all of these things just become another place where Braille is relevant. Um, So I really, and I'm excited about the future of multi-line, about tactile graphics. I'm excited by 
uh, people trying to make lower cost solutions, haptic feedback in the air. You know, there's all these things people talk about, and I know not all of them will come to come to fruition. But I'm really excited to know how Braille is now going going to be incorporated going forward, and hopefully, as Grant said, that the technology becomes less expensive so that everybody gets whatever braille they want all the time on everything, you know, would be just a dream to me. And of course, squashing the braille bugs, which, you know, we all hear about them every time there's a new mm. operating system <laughs> yeah. where, oh, there, there's braille bugs. Oh, there's this braille bugs. But even still with the braille bugs, um, braille is so relevant in, te- in my technologies and in, in technology. So I'm just very, uh, I think it's just made it even more relevant to me. Absolutely. But you bring up an excellent point there when it comes to technology and Braille, and that is, of course, the cost. Is the cost of Braille technology itself a barrier when it comes to people getting into Braille? Um, you know, it's, it's a lot cheaper to get into physical Braille, paper Braille, than it is to get a Braille display, even though we are moving in the right direction. Still, it's, um, it's still a considered purchase. What do you think about that, Elizabeth? Braille technology has has costs. Um, I know myself, I've had the same Braille display, the Braille Edge 40, which I, I love, but it is a bit bulky. We talked about the bulkiness since 2016 because depending on your where you're residing, you're, um, there may or may not be funding to help you cover that. Um, so I think for sure, and I think that can be a deterrent for people, I think it can also be um, a really uh, present a challenge when learning. You know, as I was listening to this whole conversation, though, about Braille and technology, I think technology enhances Braille. Uh, It makes a system that for a lot of people wouldn't be accessible because of the difficulty obtaining and storing hard copy Braille more accessible and more, uh, and we saw this with Sean, you know, easy to learn with an app once we find the right app. But I've been thinking a lot as we've been talking today about what is literacy. Um, And so in, in my mind, being able to read Braille either with technology or in physical copy and write braille is literacy you're you're decoding information and then you're inputting information and so again certainly listening has a really important place and audio has an important place but when we think about at its core what literacy is to me that's that's reading in this case braille um, and being able to decode it and so uh, that's that's a gift there's lots of places in the world where uh, we as folks who are blind wouldn't have the opportunity to to engage in in literacy and be literate but I think it's something when I when I talk to younger people and somebody else mentioned that they mentor mentor youth um, and work with young folks um, I, that's what I explain to parents like if you are able to learn braille or your, your child is able to learn braille that's the gift of literacy um, And it's something that I've been thinking a lot about as we're talking about technology and Braille and how they interact and how they they coil around each other and and where one ends and one one begins. Yeah, it's interesting, though, just to pick up on that. I think that it it absolutely is literacy. But I think there are many people out there who would say, and we've had a lot of people get in touch on our show to say, you know what? I am literate, too. I may not read Braille, but I am literate. I can still do what I need to do. And I think that's important to recognise as well, sure. right? It's not yeah. a case of it's exclusive. you're exclusively literate if you can read Braille. But there's no denial that Braille is the equivalent of print, right? So yeah. that's, it, it is literacy, right? It, it, but it, it's so, so important. Uh, listen, uh, we get so many emails and feedback because I was asking you guys to get in touch. 
and uh, tell us what you thought and what your perspective was on Braille. Lots of you emailed in, sent in voice notes as well. Let's hear one. Uh, let's hear from Eleanor, who got in touch uh, on the phone. Hi, guys. It's Eleanor. Braille means everything to me. I learned it at school. And as soon as I was able, I started reading Braille books and have never stopped. Every day, no matter what else is going on, I make time to get lost in a Braille book. For me, audio books just don't compare because no matter how good the reader is, you're still getting their interpretation of the characters. There's nothing quite like the connection between fingers and dots. Louis Braille is my hero. Where would we be without him? And as an afterthought, I put plastic Braille labels on all my bins so that I know which is which. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Well, that's a good use of Braille, for sure, knowing what your trash cans are, knowing the right ones. Um, Grant, echoing your point there about, you know, Louis Braille and, you know, where would we be without what Louis Braille did, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's so interesting. I... I'm not one to say that, you know, what a blind or otherwise disabled person has done is amazing. I I know people are very capable, but thinking of what Louis Braille accomplished, given his time and given the discrimination he faced in society, is Mm. amazing, dare I say it. And uh, there there were so many interesting uh, ways for literacy that were being considered at the time, including, I think, something based on on sound, uh, you know, what the words sounded like and creating some sort of interpretation for that. And Louis Braille was just very strong that, like, no, we need something that is based on print, based on the same sort of letters and word formation that everybody else uses. Uh, and uh, that's that's really important to have something that is equivalent to to print in in that you read it and you're you're literate and to the to the the literacy point uh, i absolutely agree like this isn't about you know about shaming anyone who doesn't know braille but i do think that what louis braille has accomplished and what braille braille can do is a massive advantage yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, Eleanor, thank you for your comment. Uh, also, Don got in touch, and uh, because I haven't learned Braille well enough to read my own emails, I have Laura. <laughs> uh, so Laura reads our emails here on Double Tap, and here she is reading uh, Dawn's email. My name is Dawn. I live in Sydney, Australia. Braille is everything to me. I learnt Braille from the time I first started school. I became a proofreader of Braille at Vision Australia and worked there for almost 40 years, I believe that technology has brought Braille into the 21st century. The amount of choices we now have of different kinds of Braille displays is almost endless. I just wish the price weren't so prohibitive, so more people could enjoy the benefits of not having to deal with huge volumes of hard copy Braille. As you pointed out, Braille is the key to literacy. Not that people who can only use speech programmes aren't literate, but the ability to physically read text means seeing text laid out on the page and learning how the print text is laid out. As a proofreader, I would have to set up maths tables and text for law cases, etc. In my daily life, Braille is my main means of reading for pleasure, plus labelling things around home. I believe as long as technology continues to advance, Braille equipment will become more and more accessible and the importance of Braille as a means of reading will only increase. From Dawn. Thank you, Dawn. Um, 
echo all of those points, absolutely. Uh, Rebecca also got in touch to share her thoughts, in particular uh, about Braille on medications. I use Braille every day for work and reading materials, but I find it invaluable when it comes to reading my prescription medications prepared by my pharmacy. I strongly urge anyone with low vision to consider using Braille to label medications if possible. From Rebecca Skipper. And Des also got in touch on this topic as well to talk about the value of Braille from his point of view. Hello, Team Double Tap. It's Des from California, wanting to share a little bit about Braille. Very happy you're doing this broadcast on Braille Day. Um, To me, I was very resistant to learn Braille. I was born totally blind, and I went to a mainstream school. And so when I was learning Braille, it really felt like an isolating experience. While I was in the back learning to read and track Braille and familiarize my fingers with the way the dots felt, all of my classmates were up front doing cursive and writing and and things like that. And so I felt so excluded. So that was my roadblock to learning Braille. But once I really grasped Braille, it became a life changer for me, and which is why I dedicate a lot of what I do now to advocating for Braille literacy. I want to share two quick examples with you um, of how I use Braille in a pretty unique way. So the first was as a radio host. It might not be so unique to some of you. But I, for the life of me, just cannot listen to my screen reader and then read ad copy as if I'm parroting what my screen reader is saying. There's an amazing voiceover artist out there called Pete Gustin who is able to do that pretty darn well if you watch any of his work. But I simply cannot do it. So the the advent of Braille and the ability to just read my ad copy, incredible gift to me, all thanks to Braille. Second one, real quick, is I did Moonlight for a time as a stand-up comedian, and there's just something about Braille, for me, that really gave me the power to really control the beats of a joke and really be able to hone in on the economy of words. Um, There are just certain ways to structure jokes that simply sound funnier, and I could never, for the life of me, have the same joke-writing experience with a screen reader that I could with Braille. It just never worked out. I would sit there and I could just not find the funny part using my screen reader. So uh, those are just two really quick examples of how Braille has helped me. And I really hope it's helping so many other people and the people that are interested in learning Braille or in teaching Braille. I really encourage you to go to some of the resources that I'm sure the folks over at Double Tap are going to be sharing with you today. Thanks so much for taking my call. And I will be listening. <laughs> Fantastic. And I, I, it's a really interesting point there. And I really like the phrase, the economy of words, uh, with the sort of it's a different aspect to literacy. You know, there's some things in, in a printed word, in printed form, not, not spoken to you. It just it's different. It can come across in a different way. And there's a different almost emotion to it. It's really strange. But thank you so much for all your voicemails and all your feedback. We really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll come back to uh, more of those shortly. But uh, let's talk more about this topic with someone who has actually created the type of technology that, in my mind anyway, could save Braille. I know it's a contentious topic amongst this panel, uh, but Freak Van Welsness is the founder of, co-founder of, I should say, Hable One, a Braille input keyboard for smartphones. And he joins us now here on Double Tap Live today. Uh, Freak, welcome to the show. Hi, hi. Thanks for having me and happy World Braille Day. 
Yeah, and to you. And I, I want to start off by asking, for those who haven't heard of Hable, can you summarize it for us? Can you tell us about the tech? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, Hable is a Braille input device, and it connects with any uh, phone or tablet, and it's just for Braille inputs. So it doesn't read Braille, it just inputs Braille, and it can control your voiceover or talkback, depending on the device that you're uh, that you're using. And with the Hable One, you can fully control your phone uh, by inputting Braille. So for an example, I can uh, input the H in Braille, so put in 1, 2, and 5 at the same time, but if I hold it, it becomes a shortcut for me, so I go the H for home. Um, so that way it's kind of like the smart way it's pretty similar to a brill display uh, but then with just the input and it's super small so it's around the size of the old uh, iphone se 2020 that's like the the same size it fits right in your pocket and you can use it really for almost a month without charging so it's a super tiny little brill uh, input device that controls your entire phone and makes it a little easier to work with your phone I, what is the magic sauce here, Freak? I don't know how you do it. Now, as I've been saying throughout the show, I am, I'm, I still consider myself at the very beginning of learning Braille. Yet, when I picked up the Hable One, I, I don't know what it is. It, it, it honestly, it felt so comfortable, and I could, um, I could type text messages and, and navigate around the screen so easily. And I don't know why other devices that I've tried in the past have felt almost uncomfortable to me, but the Hable one doesn't. Why is that? Well, I think, to be honest, I'll be honest here, that the initial 99 prototypes we made were all awful. They didn't have that magic. <laughs> they didn't have that magic touch. Oh, we, 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 we did it wrong many, many, many times. Uh, but I think what, what in the end like was the decision process, we said, okay, everything we do, it should be simplicity should be the focus. So we had so many great ideas of things we could build on there. And then in the end, we said, okay, no, tone it all, tune it all down. Simplicity, we essentially want anyone to touch it in a few minutes to at least be able to move over the home screen and select an app and go back like the the basics should be there in in minutes that was our that was our like key key thing so i think that is what is the magic of the Hable um is simplicity we try to make it as simple and this already starts from when how you open the box still your you don't get a manual you get a starting guide just that talks you through it so it's everything that we do is all about making it simple that must be why I feel comfortable because it's simple. I, I can relate to it. Well, you say that. You say that actually, Free. You say it's simple, but I know a certain person here that had a real problem attaching a lanyard. I'm not saying anything. Oh, I did it no, first time. It took me three seconds and I had the lanyard attached, but I know someone else really struggled. Isn't that right, Stephen? I don't know who it was. I, I don't know who it was for, <laughs> that he's talking about. I've got no idea. We actually had a competition. It took me two days. It took him three seconds. Um, I don't know why attaching that lanyard was such a nightmare, but it was. That was the hardest bit. I was able to master pretty much grade one Braille by the time it took me well, just see, to figure idea. out how to get that lanyard connected. That's that's the whole point. We you want to give you like a big challenge uh, so that it's, like, you notice even more how simple the device itself is by how hard it is to attach the lanyard. It's like a mind game that we're... <laughs> well, we we got go hold of ours. fitting service. <laughs> Pre-attached. We got hold of ours, Stephen, and to, to show how, I mean easy and comfortable we slipped into it we were having a conversation using the Hable one and yeah i think that just shows how i don't know what it is again the magic sauce but it just works i've got to ask you this free because you know it's a bit of a contentious topic and i i guess it probably is a little bit but you know i'm asking the question today can technology save braille 
And I, I don't, I think that this can be broken up into various parts, but I think it is an interesting question because if there weren't companies like you, if there weren't companies like Apple and Google and others actually developing Braille into their products, if there weren't companies like Vespero and Humanware and others creating Braille displays, you know, essentially bringing this technology to life, then Braille wouldn't continue. It couldn't continue surely as a Slate and Stylus and as a Perkins Braille for the rest of its existence. It would fade away. Um, so technology is, is, I think, at the heart of this. What do you think? Can, is, is technology saving Braille? Yeah, well, of, of course, I'm a little bit biased. Um, so I, I do think technology is crucial for Braille, but I do think it also it would still exist even without this technology. But what I do think, it's it's all about making it more accessible. I think for me also, anything with accessibility is all about options, right? So for some people, Braille is the, the way. For some people, it's not. But I think the most important thing is that we give people at least a chance to try, a chance to find their methods uh, that they prefer. And I think then technology is really amazing. I think there's, uh, I think we're just getting started to be honest when it comes to technology with Braille. Um, there's so many things I'm hearing around me, but also ideas we have and ideas from other people where we can make things even more affordable, uh, more easy to learn. Uh, you can, I, I think there's a future where you personalize Braille. I think right now we have common Braille codes, but I think at some point Braille will start understanding you and you can personalize them. They go faster. It's easier to learn. Uh, the multi-line Braille displays are there. So I, I think technology is all about making it more uh, known for a wider group and more approachable for a wider group. And I think that is a really great thing because Braille is not for everyone, but everyone should at least be able to try if it's for them. Uh, and then I would think a really big group will know it is for them. I want to bring our panel in on this uh, because I know there'll be lots of questions. And Kim, of course, you were just saying uh, earlier about your excitement about the future of technology and Braille. Uh, do you have a question for Freak relating to the Hable one and, and, and the work that they're doing there? Well, I love the Hable, I must say, <laughs> um, you know, and then Freak, Freak knows that I do. Um, but I, I think, um, yeah, I think making it simple and making it relatively inexpensive, I mean, compared to Braille displays it is. So I know some new adult Braille learners have used the Hable to better learn how to write Braille and to, to write it you know, to have this small thing with you. But I think what, what Frick has done, what they did was to make sure that all the commands are accessible, um, like to lock your phone, to unlock it, to ask for Siri, you know, really well thought through things that you don't even have to pull your phone out. And that's the beauty mm -hmm. of it, especially out in public, that you don't have to, you know, you could be sitting on a bus and, and I also like that the, um, you know, you don't want to haul expensive Braille displays out on the rain or sitting in a, you know, some things and you can have a little device with you. It's just very beautiful. So I think um, I love that also Hable listens to the community uh, for updates of what people want and that they've made the app so you can update from within the app. Like really, I think it's just been a really well thought through um, process. I guess my only question would be, what are you planning now? What are you going to do next? <laughs> we want more. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I'm known in my whole team and in the company right now for uh, spilling the beans too often uh, and saying things I shouldn't yet say on <laughs> on. Uh, on things Excellent. Like, uh, here. <laughs> um, so I, I, I won't, I won't say too much. But there's, there's quite <sighs> some things coming up. I actually. 
uh, just Able mentioned two. a few things that we're working on, like personalization. And uh, but also there there will be a Hable too. I can say that much. I can't say when it will Ooh. be there, or what it has, but it, it will be there. Um, and we're, I think this we're year. working on a lot of exciting things, just again in making it simple and making it also <laughs> affordable. Uh, ask that I question. Don't, I either didn't hear me, or he was ignoring me there. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear you. Is that this year that's coming? Oh, please don't ask me these questions. Yes. <laughs> when exactly are we going to get the Hable 2? <laughs> well, have you taken uh, any uh, time off at Easter? Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, try, we'll try and work it out. Just, just show you a calendar and see if you can point to it. Uh, I want to bring Kelly uh, McDonald in on this uh, because Kelly's going to have to drop off as soon because he has a little TV show to go and host. It's only Kelly and Ramia, um, oh. but he has to leave us. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, but I, I wanted you to come in on this before you, you, you have to leave. Well, I, I well, first of all, you're welcome that I'm leaving. I, th- I heard that thank you in there, but uh, <laughs> it's it's great. And free, we've talked about it before, and I think it's amazing the, the 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 thought because just as you mentioned your team, it's that thought that the others are doing, trying to do, and it's really spearheaded by people from community who are saying this is what we need. This is the thought. You know, Apple didn't just for out of the blue say, "Hey, we need to get friendly with Braille." Somebody on that team had to say, "This is what we need to do." And I think, like you said, if we didn't have the the connection so, software uh, you know they weren't being used with cell phone whatever it might be braille would still exist because the reality is we're going to a paperless world print people using print move to computer mm-hmm. And it's really the same thought in my head so when we talk about hey is technology saving it well it's more it's moving over the same as print, but you still can pick up a pen and write. And maybe those certain circumstances of writing with Braille with a slate and stylus may not be the easiest. But I'll tell you, looking at labels, finding stuff quicker that way, yeah, a lot more, a lot more convenient. I, I was through the conversation here, have thought so much of it. So really wonderful for you guys, and looking forward to the second version here because um, there's so much thought you guys are putting into it. And thank you. Thank you. That's really nice, uh, Kelly. I know you need to to drop away uh, and go and do your show. I just want to seriously thank you for your time. You've been so gracious with your time giving us uh, the hour and a half, and I really appreciate it. Any final thoughts for for our listeners this World Braille Day as you as you head off? I got to say that I'm a person who was very much, I had to learn Braille. Why do I have to do this? Why do I have, and I I can think to that isolation um, that our last caller spoke of, and so many things Mm -hmm. he spoke of in the sense of, things as a broadcaster uh as a stand-up comic i did a little bit of that and really when he talked about things i thought that's formatting it's putting it under your fingers and writing it in the way that you want to be able to deliver when i've done mc gigs and standing at a podium what is the availability for me to have convenience grab my paper and as much as i love and do a lot of stuff using um auditory now there is nothing like being able to grab those sheets. It doesn't necessarily work all the time, but I am so lucky that I could pick up that Braille calendar like Kim mentioned earlier and how much I, I love and how quick it is. So for a person who through my life has had that time of, ah, forget it, Braille's dying, it doesn't matter, to, oh my gosh, look at these cool things that we're able to do and people like him, um, like Natalie, like Tom Decker showed me and and reminded me uh, and others that I've spoke to. Uh, it's a great day, folks, a great celebra- celebratory day. And as Grant mentioned about our fearless leader who created all this accessibility for us, absolutely fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. 
Thanks. It's been Kelly. great having you, Kelly. Uh, have a great show today. Kelly and Rami, of course, on AMI TV coming up later today. Kelly, uh, have a great day. Um, so, Freak, uh, Hable 2, what was the date again? <laughs> 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 Honestly, I almost said it. No, there, there, we don't we don't have oh. a, a final date yet. So I am luckily I can't I can't no. say it when I don't or maybe we do, but I just don't know. The team won't tell me. That might also be uh, <laughs> might be a smart <laughs> Listen, we, we, look, we look forward we look forward to learning about it when it comes. I want to bring Elizabeth into this. Uh, Elizabeth, what's your take on the Hable one? Have you uh, used this? Have you given it a try? I did a, a little bit of sort of watching of videos and listening when I knew that we were going to have this conversation today. I think, you know, we touched on this before. Um, not only is it convenient not to have to necessarily take out a smartphone, but I think it's also um, the intimidation factor. So if someone's newly lost their vision and they're learning a smartphone and they're learning Braille and they're learning mobility, to just have one less thing that you have to worry about and just be able to have a, a small device, I think that's that's a really, a really big win. I guess my, my question would be, um, you know, if there's one task that you really like using the Hable for, um, to our creator, what, what would that, what would that be? If there's one thing you're like, yeah, it works really well to do X, what would that be? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a really good question. I think one thing, and that's something we got a lot, lot of feedback on lately. The one thing is just accessing your phone in a busy public situation privately. So let's say you're at the airport and you just have to check your gate or where do you go? You're, and you can just check your phone by just holding your table. You have a Bluetooth earpiece in and you can privately access it. I think that is one of the, the key, key things a lot of people really enjoy, like enjoy with using the Hable that that's possible. And you can even do things like check your, check your bank statement at the moment. I don't know, but you can do private things, put in passwords, even in public spaces. I think that is one really unique, unique feature. Yeah, I would totally agree. I, I absolutely love it, Freak. And I honestly didn't think I would. But um, <laughs> as I keep saying, the magic sauce, yeah. I don't know what it is. It doesn't almost doesn't feel like a Braille device when I'm using it. I know that's really strange to say. You know, no, it's got the, it, uh, I, I the buttons it. on it. It's, sorry, but to be honest, like a lot of our customers, actually, they don't know Brill. Like a lot of the people that use the Hable are not Brill users at all. They, they maybe they've like they they've tried it once, but they all, but most, yeah, I think I think at this point it's like a really big percentage of people that use it that are not Brill users, but they just use this. So it's, I think it's it is a little bit different, and it is that simplicity magic, maybe. Yeah, I totally agree. Grant, have you tried the Hable? I haven't, uh, but I have a question uh, that's maybe shifting gears a little bit here. Um, uh, you know, one of our listeners mentioned about feeling a little bit isolated, uh, learning Braille, you know, in the back of the classroom, whatever. And I do not relate to that experience because I just find there there's so many aspects of being blind, for example, cane use, etc., that are very intimidating to other people and feel isolating. Braille is always something that I found that people just think is so incredibly cool. Like other kids, you know, people who see you at the beach, people who see you using Braille screen and put on your phone, whatever. It, it's a conversation starter. It brings attention. People People find it very intriguing, and I'll be honest, I, lo I love that attention. So I have this question about the Hable one. <laughs> what do people What do people say? What's the reaction when they see you using this in public? 
Okay, I love this question. This is such a good question because this is one thing and I'm I'm partly responsible for this. So the Hable, when you're using it, so it's not like a Braille device that you put on a surface. The Hable actually, you hold it in the air and you kind of have it between your two hand palms. And what it looks like, and we did this on purpose, it looks a little bit like you're gaming. And the device is also, it has like a modern look. It's like uh, uh, black and white buttons and the white buttons are the Braille buttons that really stand out. And it really looks like you're gaming. So it's like a game controller that you're holding. And we did that on purpose because we thought when people are using the Hable on, they should look cool. They should look like they're doing, they know what they're doing. They're on, like they're they on a mission and they're like, they're playing like a video game or doing something cool. And that's what we actually designed on purpose. Um, but I never get asked this question. So I'm so happy you asked that. Yeah. That's a great well, question. Done, it really is. I was, fun, <laughs> funny enough, the same thought was running through my mind as well, because I was thinking, you know, what kind of feedback? I know, I know that we know what it's like to get feedback from people who, I mean, I used to use, for example, a, a Bluetooth keyboard on the train quite a lot. I still do. And when you do that, I'd often have my phone sitting next to it with, uh, say, an AirPod in my ear. But the phone screen would be off because my screen uh, curtain was on. So there was nothing on the display. So people are thinking I'm just typing in midair with no purpose whatsoever. Just brilliant. There's that blind guy. He's just brought ah. this keyboard onto the train and uh, he thinks he's typing. <laughs> Someone's stolen his computer and uh, there he is typing away. Uh, you'll find out at some point that no one's there. Um, but no, I mean, this, you're absolutely right. You know, people do get interested and, and they start to ask questions and that's a good thing. I think that's a great thing. Um, I want to bring in some more feedback because we, we get so much feedback in uh, when we uh, put out the, the request for comments about what, Braille means to you. And I want to play this comment in from Damasi, uh, who sent in this voice message. Hello, Double Tap family, and happy World Braille Day to everyone. Is that what we say? Is that a thing? Anyway, yes. this is Damasi. I just wanted to drop in and share some thoughts on what Braille means to me. Uh, Braille for me has meant the ability to build up a good vocabulary, to be a decent speller. Uh, throughout my life of using computers, I've not relied on things like spell check very often uh, up until here recently more recently in life but that's due to age not uh, lack of ability I think um, but I think one way to really express how integral braille is in my life is to share a quick little story and a little bit of warning it is it's not the best story in the world so in 2009 the spring of 2009 actually I had a work accident and got my hand caught on a machine and the first joint of my right index finger was sliced off now I am a right-handed person first and foremost and as I was realizing like you know from from checking out things as you do as a blind person oh um, yeah, it looks like my fingertip is pretty much gone. So they're not going to be able to reattach that and make it useful. The first thought I had, and there were several that I probably should have had, but the first one I thought was, now I got to learn to read Braille efficiently with my left hand. So, you know, other thoughts came along after that as I encountered things in life and my right hand was bandaged and I had to learn to use a fork left handed. But the first thought I had was I need to learn to read Braille more efficiently with my left hand. And this is going to be hard. But Braille has been extremely important to me. And I feel like I was one of the more fortunate, one of the more fortunate events in my life was that I encountered a teacher for the visually impaired when I was in third grade in public school who taught every single one of her students Braille, regardless of their visual acuity. In fact, I believe all the students she had at that elementary school that I was attending at the time, all were 
able to read large print or use handheld magnifiers or CCTVs. Uh, but the fact that I learned Braille then meant that when I was going through a very rough transition of losing my usable vision and not able to read print, suffering from eye strain, all of that in middle school, which ain't a fun time to be going through anything extra difficult anyway, uh, the transition for me was a little smoother. You know, the roughest part of it was getting material in Braille, not the fact that I had to also learn Braille. So I feel very fortunate for that. Happy Braille Day, everybody. Wow. Damasi, the, the coolest voice ever, by the way, let me say that. But I mean, <laughs> I, I, so so many points to relate to there and the importance of teaching um, Braille as early as possible, no matter what vision, what stage you are at your vision loss or however you want to put it. I think that, that makes such a difference. That would have made a huge difference to so many people's lives. That's such, such a fantastic thing to say. And also, I want to mention that was it you Kim or Elizabeth sorry I can't remember the, the importance of Braille and you sort of don't really notice it until you don't have access to it anymore or you know it, that, that, those years you were without it and you suddenly getting it back into your life and being emotional about it it shows the value of Braille yeah that was me yeah yeah it was uh, it was very emotional it is emotional. And, you know, Freak, it's interesting because I guess you hear a lot of stories like this as you uh, journey around the world showcasing Hable One, right? I mean, it, for, for you, I guess it started off as a piece of tech. Of course, as we know, it came from a really interesting place, a, a personal story. But, you know, that's, I guess, something you hear a lot is that sort of personal connection. It's more than just a piece of tech, right? It's more than another gadget in your bag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I come from a from an engineering background. So when when we started, we it, it was also like a, a technical perspective, right? Like we're we're building something, and then uh, it's like a Bluetooth device works with the phone. Like think of the technical ways in developing it, and then kind of once we started testing and, and te testing with people in our network, and people wanted to try it out and prototype, we, we realized like, but it, it's not at all about the technology. It's all about what what someone wants to do with it or how someone used it for for one person it's a way to to talk like be part of the the the, the chat group with the family again uh, we have someone in the uk who could finally do homework uh, actually via his phone at the table and who could uh, in class like take notes and it's, like i think all these stories are are like remind me of that it's not a really like the tech is just a means to an end and it's yeah, but it's the stories that really matter and the things that we do with it and Probably I have the, the coolest job in the world because I can listen to all these stories and that's that's what I have to do. Yeah. So it, that that's really the thing that's why, why I like so much what we do and why I think we're going to be doing it for so much longer because that is that it, it's the most inspirational thing that, that's there. Yeah, I, I want to also mention as well your award uh, from Zero Project Conference, which is coming up late February, we will actually be there as well. I know you're not going to manage to be there in person. It'd be lovely to meet you in person, but uh, we are going to meet one of your colleagues uh, when yes. we're there. Uh, tell us about the news of, of that award uh, and, and what you won. Yeah, oh, it's super cool. So we we are uh, yeah we won an award for the Zero Project, which is like a worldwide uh, conference, and it's talking about uh, accessibility and really invites like world leaders and and, and uh, yeah a whole bunch of important people, as they say, to uh, to talk about accessibility and what we can do better. Uh, and with with our award, I think we have a I think like fifteen minutes that we can talk on stage to a, 
a lot of people and also a lot of people in higher positions to talk about why accessibility is important and, and specifically what we do somewhere on the technical side, like why programs should be made accessible. And it's really, a, I think, an amazing platform to speak at. It's it's also just a great honor to be selected as one of uh, the awardees, but to be able to speak there and, and kind of share the mission, share why we think it's, why, why it is so important and why it should get more attention. Uh, yeah, it's a great start. Yeah, Amazing. well, listen, we wish you all the best with it in the future. Um, also very excited to hear about Hable 2. Uh, we, we've we've got some news out of you. We've got some news. We don't know dates yet. It could be January. <laughs> could be February. Yeah. March. March. I'm going to mute April. myself. I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> but we do look forward to meeting you at, at Zero Project and, and your team there as well. Uh, but uh, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. Tell people where they can get Hable One, uh, wherever they are in the world, because it's available, I think, on Am- and Amazon, isn't it? In the States. You can get it from Amazon and, yeah. and other countries as well. You can get it. Yeah, so we were. It's in. Uh, it's available in the U.S., in Canada, in Australia, UK. It's like available all over the world, and it differs a little bit per country where it is, uh, where it's available. Probably if you search for Hable, so H A B L E, uh, and then one, as in the letter one or the number one, uh, you'll find it. Like if you search it on Google, you'll probably find either our website or one of the uh, the, the distributors that we work with. Um, and I think that's the best way. If you want to go directly to our website, it is iamhable.com. So iamhable.com. Um, I think that's just the a, best just way a slight, um, just a slight bone I'd like to pick with you, though. Uh, yeah. You know, I did uh, suggest to you uh, the last time we spoke uh, of a fantastic tagline for your company uh, because, like you say, you're using this thing in the air, and I said, you know, you don't need a table when you've got a hable. Now, I thought that was the, an ingenious marketing line and you haven't used it i am shocked oh and no that's why. actually not true um oh, we, oh really <laughs> we, oh, hang on oh. you're making money off of me <laughs> royalty <laughs> oh no oh no we we lost no, no, no I, i'll tell you so we actually we lost I, money I, right I, I come back after our, after our call last time and I told my team i i've heard an amazing amazing thing that we can use to promote the hable right so I, I tell this to my team as a joke, and they say, well, actually, let, let's try if this works. So so we've tried. Um, let's say the results were disappointing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't want to... So, so I, I still like it, but it's uh, the world doesn't as much, I'm afraid. Everyone oh. else doesn't, okay, Stephen. So Sorry. My, my career at Saatchi and Saatchi is over then, right? Okay, fine. Uh, Freak, thank you so much for coming on. If I'd known that, I'd given you 10 minutes. Uh, but thank you so much for coming on <laughs> and sharing the news of Able One. We're huge fans here at Double Tap, and a lot of our listeners are too. You're doing amazing work and all the best. And, and also, huge congratulations on that Zero Project Award thank as well. Thank you so much. Thanks it's, so much for coming always, always thank great you. to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Freak Van Wilsness, of course, from Hable. Uh, you know, just an, a, a, such an exciting product, Elizabeth, right? Even if they don't agree with my marketing approach, I think that they've got a great product there. Absolutely. And and I, I love your, your marketing approach. Uh, I, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up um, or a Hable up. But I, I, think, I think what I would say is um, <laughs> I want to just really go quickly go back to something Grant said about, you know, um, sort of intimidation around sight loss. And sometimes our technology, not so much with the smartphones, but some of our adaptive technology can can look at intimidating. Certainly back in the day, um, it did. But what I what I like about the Hable is, you know, this description of it looks like a game. So it's a conversation start. Right, so people will come over and, and Grant touched on that, but I think it's it's worth picking up that it's really ingenious to make technology for us that looks interesting and innovative.
creative and that looks sort of um, classy as opposed to something that makes us sort of stand out. So I, I really, that really excites me. 100% yeah, totally agree, agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. totally. Um, I want to mention uh, this email. I'll bring this email in from Frank. Laura reads our emails. Uh, Frank has uh, written in on this subject. He's from the UK. What Braille means to me is I started to learn Braille at the age of five in 1954, and I'm still using it now. What it has given me is a love of reading, an interest in how other people use reading to learn, and an understanding of the difficulties people have in reading and writing. I use Braille myself as a tool for writing down instructions so I can read with one hand and perform the task with the other, where possible or to memorise what I need to do. In my working life as a trade union rep, I would use Braille to write down any information I need during a meeting. This gave me the freedom to look at the person or people I was talking to. I would not be able to do this if I used print, even though I could not see them. Sadly, I can no longer use Braille to the extent of reading for hours the way I used to, as my figures are on the whole numb, and my feeling has gone after about five minutes. Braille should never be forgotten and used and learned from a very early age. Regards, Frank Lewis from a windy UK. Yeah, thank you for that, Frank. And it isn't always windy. It is the UK, after all. Uh, rain capital of the planet. Uh, Connor also got some, gets in touch uh, about uh, learning Braille at school. I learned Braille at school when I was really young and I love the show. Thank you, Stephen, Sean, Laura and Mr F from Connor. I follow the podcast on X and Stephen and Sean. <laughs> and everyone else. Thank you for that, Connor. Good to have you along for the ride. Uh, listen, uh, as we uh, come to the end of our uh, special two-hour episode of Double Tap here on AMI-audio, our, our special live episode celebrating World Braille Day, I just want to bring uh, you guys uh, back into this and, and, and really just get a sense of where you're at in terms of Braille. Because, Kim, you, know, you touched on this earlier, but I think it's a really important point. Technology going forward is going to really make a difference in so many more ways uh, than just Braille in terms of reading, right? I mean, we're already seeing lots of different courses and experiences where people can learn later in life. Hadley Institute, for example, in the States do this, where you get the opportunity to learn later in life and you can use that for labeling around the home or product labeling, reading products, packaging, all of that stuff. And of course, you mentioned earlier tactile images and, and haptic potential as well. There's so much coming. Um, the future is bright. Yes, the future is bright. I agree. Um, I think, I think too, adult Braille learners, I was thinking about what Sean um, said. Um, and I know Braille Literacy Canada has a program for adult Braille learners to get together once a month and, and give each other support. Um, we also have a program of giving Perkins Braillers to people who don't have them. So people donate Braillers and we rehome them to people who can't afford to get them. So I think there are programs around wherever you are in the world that are um, helping with some of these things, the cost of things, um, the feeling lonely about learning Braille or just needing support people along with you, not actually teaching Braille, but just having online support where we'll have topics like how do you label, how do you do this, how do you, you know, and it's it's really, really good. But I think yeah, I think the future of Braille is really bright. I also just want to um, mention that World Braille Days, I'm on the committee for World Braille Days for uh, Canadian uh, content. And Grant and I are going to be on a panel about content creators in Braille on um, January 20th, which is a Saturday. But we also have a panel of writers talking about how they use Braille in their writing, including the gentleman who wrote 
Country of the Blind, Andrew Leland, on the 18th, and Chansey Fleet from the New York Public Library a week from today on the 11th is going to talk about her programming. So um, you can find everything out. If you go to Braille Literacy Canada, there'll be a link to register for those. But really, yes, I think the future is bright and Braille is uh, Braille is ever-evolving. Yeah. Grant, I'm guessing you're going to echo those thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's hard to think how to sum this up other than uh, – Something that I've said before, which which almost feels a little bit aggressive because I, I don't want to shame people who either haven't had the opportunity or don't feel that Braille fits into their, their life. But I just know I don't know where I would be without Braille. I don't know how I would mm-hmm. have gotten through STEM courses. I don't know how I would be in broadcasting i don't know how i would have read so much for for pleasure without braille um i i i just don't know where i would be without braille it's added so much to my life uh it's made me so much more efficient it's just so cool as as we've mentioned it's kind of it's a great conversation starter kids love it you know adults love it uh and i think the future is really bright i think there are some things that we need to tackle uh surrounding cost availability uh, just making sure that more and more people learn Braille and improving uh, the technology needed for spatial Braille. That's going to be really important for graphics, uh, for STEM, uh, you know, for Braille art, uh, what, whatever it is that you need to do. But I think the future is really bright. We're just getting started and uh, can't wait to see what developments come up in my lifetime to make Braille more accessible, available, efficient and cool. Yeah, I've got to say, Elizabeth, that's the thing for me. It's like it's more than just words now, isn't it? It's so much more than just reading. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the word that comes to mind for me is anticipation and and I guess two words, excitement. But yeah, just thinking about, um, you know, and Kim and Grant have summarized it so nicely, where where Braille's going, but also just um, thankful. Like I have a lot of gratitude for um, obviously Louis Braille, but also um, the creators of all of the technology we've talked about today, the folks that work in Braille production, because, you know, participating in in choirs or you know teaching classes braille's been able to to enhance and help me be um stronger and better so i think you know i come to this day with with a lot of a lot of gratitude um for being in a in a time and a place where so much braille's available yeah absolutely i want to say a huge thank you to everyone on the panel today elizabeth grant kim also kelly uh, mcdonald who joined us earlier as well and freak van wellness for joining us through the hour sean it's been an incredible conversation over the past two hours i mean it, it seems it seemed like a big task when we thought let's talk about braille for two hours but actually well i don't yeah. think we've even touched the surface or scratched the surface of this topic if you think about it there's so much more we could get into uh, i mean cost is just one area right it's a huge area of course it is, yes. Uh, but I mean, there's so many different aspects when it comes to Braille. I was like you. I was thinking, you know, two hours on Braille, uh, what are we going to cover? But there's just so many different. The future, as we talked about, how technology affects it, the history of it. It's just, um, it's something that is, I think, core to us as a community. Whether you use it or you don't use it, I think the value of it just cannot be understated at the minute or overstated I should say it's it's something that I really want to get into especially as Grant talked about partners knowing or not knowing Braille 
I want to be able to write things that my partner cannot read. So I'm I'm spurred oh, on nice. even more now. Yes. We are out of time, uh, but thank you so much for listening. Keep your feedback coming. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. And, of course, keep in touch on our website as well, doubletaponair.com, for lots more. We'll catch you again tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.